Hello and welcome to Hillcrest To Go. I'm your host, John Parker. Today, Dr. Tom Goodman shares a sermon called How to Be More Confident in Faith Conversations. Here's Dr. Tom Goodman. Well, in a blog post for the Gospel Coalition, Paul Worcester wrote this just this past week. A few days ago, I heard a friend say, the gospel can't be quarantined, and I'm grateful he's correct. People tend to be open to Christ during two times, trouble and transition. The coronavirus crisis fits both categories. It's a ripe time to do evangelism. I'm praying that many years from now, this testimony will become common. I became a Christian during the coronavirus pandemic. Well, it might be a good time to do evangelism, but a number of us are absolutely intimidated when it comes to the whole idea of evangelism. I mean, we're glad that there were people in our world like like the late Billy Graham who could preach to thousands about Jesus, but we just know we're not the next Billy Graham. And we are grateful for people like Tim Keller who can answer skeptical non-believers' questions about the faith in such a skillful way, but we know we're not the next Tim Keller. We find it intimidating to even think about this idea of evangelism. I think we'd all like to be a little more confident in our faith conversations. And that's where this passage that Katie read to us can help us because in this passage, we learn how to become more confident in our faith conversations. Now, I asked Katie to just read verses 19 through 30 of Acts chapter nine, but the whole chapter records one of the most dramatic conversations and one of the most dramatic conversions in Christian history. This is the time when Saul became a believer. At the start of Acts chapter 9, he's in Jerusalem, and he's breathing all kinds of threats of persecution against Christians, and he made uh, life for Christians in Jerusalem absolutely miserable. But then he began to turn his sights on a town called Damascus, which was about 150 miles out of Jerusalem. And he got papers granting him permission to go into Damascus and do the same kind of damage that he was trying to do in Jerusalem, to arrest Christians, to put them in prison, maybe even put some of them to death. Uh, But when he got to Damascus, he was a changed man because of what happened on the Damascus road. He met the risen Christ. And when he arrived in Damascus, he was wanting to not persecute Christians, but persuade people to become Christians. It was as if he recognized that talking about Jesus wasn't an elective. It wasn't something you could choose to do or not do. Once you became a believer, once you met Jesus, the most natural thing in the world, as far as, as far as Paul was concerned, was to talk with others about him. In his book, The Gospel in a Pluralist Society, Leslie Newbigin, who uh, was a missionary from Britain to, to India, and then after returning back into Britain, he realized that uh, Britain had become so secular, they needed a missionary impact. And, and so he wrote this book, The Gospel in a Pluralist Society, and Mr. Newbigin said this, there has been a long tradition which sees the mission of the church primarily as obedience to a command. It has been customary to speak of the, quote, missionary mandate. Uh, This way of putting the matter is certainly not without justification, and yet it seems to me that it misses the point. It tends to make mission a burden rather than a joy, to make it part of the law rather than part of grace. 
If one looks at the New Testament evidence, one gets another impression. Mission begins with a kind of explosion of joy. The news that the rejected and crucified Jesus is alive is something that cannot possibly be suppressed. It must be told. Who could be silent about such a fact? Now, I think Newbigin has a point here, and it's certainly true when we look at this passage in Acts chapter 9. It was out of an explosion of joy that Paul talked about Jesus with other people. He had met Jesus on the Damascus Road, and he could not not talk about him. And I think that some of the things that uh, we learn from Acts chapter 9 can help us. Because, you see, if this is the case, if, if after you've met Jesus, it's just a natural thing to want to talk about him, and you have met Jesus, but it's been a long time since you've talked with a non-believer about him, then something has gone wrong, and we need to fix it. And I think one of the things that needs to be fixed is our warped understanding of evangelism. I think for a lot of us, we, we think of evangelism as selling Jesus like a product. And so we feel that we need to sort of artificially create this sales pitch and then sort of shoehorn it awkwardly in to our conversations with um, unwilling participants of our conversation. That's our attitude toward evangelism. And so we perhaps, we, we do it as, as an act of obedience, but we don't do it out of this explosion of joy because uh, we have a misunderstanding of what evangelism is. Evangelism is just being more sensitive to the natural opportunities to get into conversations with other people about the most important subject on your heart, the most important person in your life, the person of Jesus. Now, there are three things I learned from this passage that Katie read to us that can apply to us in our faith conversations. Three simple words, start and develop and endure. So write these things down on your sermon notes. First of all, start. Now, what I want you to do is circle the phrase at once in verse 20. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, some of us, we think that before we can really get into faith conversations, uh, we need to be a lot more proficient in our faith. So we feel we need to read just one more book. We need to go to one more seminar. We need to just feel more confident in our ability to answer the questions we know are going to be raised. But for Paul, what did he do? He just at once started talking about the Jesus whom he met. Earlier in Acts chapter 9, we read that Saul was persecuting the church, like I said earlier, and he was trying to stamp out Christianity, which he regarded as a dangerous heresy for his people, the Jews. And so he did this work effectively in Jerusalem, and then he turned his attention to Damascus, and it was on his way to Damascus that he met the risen Christ, and he was converted to him. In our culture, you sometimes still hear, hear people refer to a Damascus Road experience, and what they mean is they had this sudden change of heart, this sudden change of mind. Well, that comes from this passage in Acts chapter 9, where on the road to Damascus, Paul met the reigning and risen Christ, and he had a change of heart. He had a change of mind over who Jesus was. And he, never, he no longer saw the belief in Jesus as a dangerous heresy. He saw it as the absolute earth-changing, history-changing truth. And so when he got into Damascus, he was no longer persecuting the Christians there. He was trying to persuade other people to become Christians as well. And so the first thing Saul can teach us about spiritual conversations is this. Just start having them. You know, if you're a new believer and, or you're returning to faith after a long time, 
I, I imagine one of the things that intimidates you about having faith conversations is you're just afraid of what kind of questions somebody's going to ask you. You don't feel equipped at this juncture to be able to deal with all the objections and all the, all the questions that you anticipate somebody is going to ask you. And so you say, you know, eventually, maybe I'll get into this evangelism thing, but not yet. My friends will have too many questions for me that I won't be able to answer. But here's what I've discovered about having spiritual conversations. The best way to learn how to have them is to have them. It's on-the-job training, and it's as people ask you questions and you go and try to research answers to those questions, that's how you grow in this. So you've just got to start having them in order to uh, be more and more effective in faith conversations. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4 says this, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. You get the picture? What is uh, being said there is if you're waiting around for just the right conditions, just the right timing, just the right circumstances to be able to go off and do something you know you ought to do, you'll never get around to doing it. This passage in Ecclesiastes says that if you're waiting for just the right conditions to plant, you'll never plant, so therefore you'll never see a harvest, and it's true when it comes to evangelism too. So the first thing you need to do is start. How do you start? Well, let me give you several suggestions that uh, I would uh, want to have you uh, be aware of. First of all, create an impact list. Every one of us as believers needs to have an impact list, a, a, a prayer list of people we know who are important to us uh, who don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. And you need to pray through that impact list, praying that God will open their eyes to the gospel, but also praying that God will open your eyes to all the opportunities he's been giving you to talk about Jesus, opportunities up to this point that you've been missing. So start with an impact list. Here's another one. You're outside more these days, I imagine, now especially that the weather's started to get milder and... Uh, you know, the pandemic is still upon us, and so you're perhaps walking out in your neighborhood more. And up to this point, what have you done? You've kind of just waved at your neighbors, maybe kind of leaned over to your spouse and said, what's his name again? But here's the thing that we need to do. Why don't you slow down? Why don't you stop and just start having a conversation with those neighbors? Ask them how they're handling things during this pandemic. Don't you think that eventually you'd find yourself in a faith conversation? I think you would. Here's another thing you could do. Ask others how you can pray for them. I've never had anybody insulted when I've offered to pray for them. Ask how you can pray for somebody. Here's another thing you can do. Forward winning ways to people. Now, those of you who are fairly new to the church, you only know Winning Ways as the title of a devotional book that I've written that we hand out to people who are new to our church. But for years, it wasn't a devotional book, it was a devotional newsletter. And every week I would send this newsletter out to folks, it would just be this shot of encouragement in the middle of the week. And uh, we're, we, we laid that aside for a few years, but we're starting that up in a couple of weeks again. And every one of you that are on our newsletter for Hillcrest events, that's called Hillcrest Happenings, you'll start receiving this uh, devotional newsletter again called Winning Ways. You can unsubscribe at any time, but give it a try. I think you'll find that it is an, uh, this shot of encouragement in the middle of your week, but it's also not just for you. I think you'll find that as you read it, you'll go, man, somebody, somebody I know needs this, and all you have to do is hit the forward button, and perhaps you start being engaged in a faith conversation with somebody about that. Here's another thing to do. Join all our, our churches social media, you know, 
Facebook and, and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. And we've made it easy for you. Uh, wherever we show up on social media, our name is Hillcrest2Go. Because if you've ever tried to look up Hillcrest Church or Hillcrest Baptist Church online, you find there are a lot of Hillcrest churches out there in our nation, right? And so we've named it Hillcrest to Go, all one word. So youtube.com slash Hillcrest to Go, facebook.com slash Hillcrest to Go. And subscribe to all of these things, become uh, a recipient of all of this social media information, and I think you'll find it useful for you. But I also think that you'll find some things that are useful to share with people who follow you on social media. And so there's a, a podcast that interests you and you share it, or there's a, uh, a video segment that interests you and you share it. I, I think that all of us will want to just share the fire out of that virtual choir uh, video from five different continents, uh, wasn't it? And, and I think you'd want to share that on your social media, so do it. Now, I found it useful and I found it helpful when somebody shares something, shares content from another site on their, on their site, is add your own comment to that so that it personalizes what you're sharing with the people who follow you. Here's another thing that you can do. The interview with Jay, with Jay Warner Wallace that uh, Mike talked about in the announcements earlier, we're going to be doing that next week, and I think there's somebody you know in your life who would benefit from watching this video. Jay Warner Wallace, Jim Wallace, he's a homicide detective. His work has shown up in various places on TV like Dateline and so on. And uh, he's also a Christian speaker who uses the principles of police investigation to investigate the claims of Christianity. And he did this himself. He was 35 years old. He wasn't raised in a church. He was a non-believer. He was an atheist. And uh, his wife started attending a church. And so he began to use the principles of police investigation on the Christian truth claims and eventually became a believer himself. Now, don't you think that story is worth having other people hear about as well? So pass along the link that you use to watch our service online. Pass it along to somebody else and invite them for this uh, interview with Jay Warner Wallace uh, next week. Here's another thing that I would suggest that you do. Invite a friend to our new series that's starting on October 4th. In October and November, we've got a new series called Asking for a Friend. And this series is going to deal with the questions that our non-believing friends and relatives have about our faith. And so I think that it would be useful for you to, to invite somebody to, uh, to be a part of that. Now, as Mike mentioned earlier, our building opens again on October the 4th, and so you might be a part of things here or not. You might still feel that you need to remain on your couch watching the service at home. That's fine. Uh, but you can still send the link to a friend of yours and let them watch the service along with you. You know, whenever we've had these sermon series before and we've encouraged you to invite somebody with you to participate in this, usually what goes through all of our minds is, who is somebody within driving distance to the church building that I can invite to be a part of this service? And I still think you need to do that. There are neighbors of yours or co-workers of yours or people that you go to school with or play on the same football team, and you can invite them to be part of this series that's going to take place in October and November. But there's something we've discovered across the last six months, and that is that you don't have to be near the church building in order to participate in the service here. So there's somebody in another city, somebody in another state, somebody in another country, and you can just send them the link that you've been using to watch our service on our main uh, church website or uh, on the YouTube channel of our church or Facebook Live, whatever you use to watch the service, send that link to somebody else and invite them 
to be a part of things too. Here's another suggestion. I've got a lot of them. And another suggestion I would have is share my 15-minute uh, video talks from a website called anchorcourse.org. It's about 20 years now. I, uh, I wrote a book called The Anchor Course, like a ship's anchor, The Anchor Course. And I use it as a textbook to uh, teach non-believers the basics of Christianity. And those talks are, are now online, anchorcourse.org. And you can go there and there's a 15-minute talk on what Christians believe about God and what Christians believe about Jesus and what Christians believe about the cross and what Christians believe about heaven and so on. Now, this will benefit you, but it will also benefit your non-believing friends. If, if they're in a conversation with you and they're asking questions about the faith that still stump you, Maybe you could uh, send a link to one or all of these videos and then follow up and ask them what they thought about it, anchorcourse.org. Now, those are several things. If I didn't get one that sort of floats your boat, I'm going to give you one more suggestion, and that is there is a, a blog post that I could send you or I could send you the link to it called 10 Simple Ways to Evangelize During a Pandemic. And so if you'll get on our connection card online and just in the blank spot where you can ask a minister a question or ask a minister to contact you, if you'll just write uh, something like um, evangelism article or something like that, I'll send this uh, link to this uh, article to you, 10 simple ways to evangelize during a pandemic. Now, that's certainly not the end of the list. And just doing any one of these things isn't the end of evangelism. But Remember, what I'm saying is we need to start somewhere, and these might be some things you can do to start. Paul started talking about Jesus the moment he became a believer in Jesus. We need to start this process too. Here's a second thing to write down. Develop. Develop. I want you to circle the word grew in verse 22. Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. So verse 20 says, at once he started talking about Jesus. And then verses 22 and 23 say, he grew more powerful in this work. You put those two verses together and that tells me that on the one hand, we should not wait until we feel we are experts to start talking about Jesus. But on the other hand, we can always develop, we can always grow in our understanding of the faith. Now, what should you cover when it comes to developing in your understanding of the faith. My suggestion is you build your curriculum uh, based on topics that somebody raises to you that you don't have an answer to. Somebody asks a question about the reliability of the Bible. Somebody asks a question about evidence of the resurrection. You've never had to think about that before. Now you have. So let that be your curriculum points and, and start with those things and research those things and try to get back uh, with somebody. You know, I had a pastor friend one time who, who told me that he never did pre-marriage counseling. Uh, and I was surprised by that because everybody talked about the importance of doing pre-marriage counseling before you uh, officiated somebody's ceremony. He said, nope, nobody wants to listen to me at that point. So he says what he does is he schedules an opportunity for people to uh, come to him at the first anniversary of their wedding. He says now they're all ears and they're ready to listen. I imagine that's probably true. Once you've started the process of having a conversation with somebody, once you've started the process of talking about Jesus, there are going to be subjects that come up that you don't know how to deal with, and that's when you start investigating and researching how you can uh, talk with people about these various things. But over the years, here's some things that I have found that uh, you might need to be prepared uh, to deal with. 
Why do you call the Bible the Word of God? Isn't it just a flawed book written by flawed men? And besides, wasn't it written uh, long after Jesus was on the earth, long enough for legends and myths to develop? Uh, You need to be ready to deal with that. Or here's another question I get sometimes. It sure seems arrogant in a diverse world like ours to say that Jesus is the only way to God. Or how could a loving God send someone to hell? Or, you know, a scientific understanding of the world uh, makes faith unnecessary. Science and faith are incompatible, right? Or I can't believe in a God uh, in the midst of a world with so much suffering. Or the church and organized religion has been the cause of so much injustice in our world, not the solution to injustice, and so that's why I can't believe. Those are some of the topics that come up over and over again. Now, we're going to have a couple of things in our church to prepare you and get you ready to deal with questions like that. Uh, First of all, in October and November, like I've already said, we're going to go through this series called Asking for a Friend. And I've often found that whenever I've gone through a sermon series where I've dealt with the questions non-believers ask, believers always breathe a sigh of relief that I'm dealing with those things because they haven't been able to settle those questions themselves. In fact, that's why we're calling the series Asking for a Friend. You know that meme on social media, I'm sure. And so be a part of this in October and November. It will not only help your friend, it will help you develop in how to answer these questions. There's another thing that we'll be doing in October and November, though. We're going to be going through J. Warner Wallace's book, Forensic Faith. And as you gain confidence in how to uh, approach the investigation of Christianity forensically, I think you're going to find greater confidence in communicating with other people as well. The point is, we need to not only start talking about Jesus, we need to develop uh, in our understanding of, of uh, and, and in our confidence in, in talking about these very things. So, to follow Saul's example here, Paul's example, we need to, first word, start, second word, develop, and third word, endure. Endure. That's the word that comes to my mind when I read Acts chapter 9. Verses 23 through 25 give us this vivid picture of other Christians lowering Saul in a basket through a hole in the city wall because assassins were at the city gate waiting for him to exit so they could kill him. I remember the first time I ran across this story. It was in children's Sunday school. I was probably five years old, maybe six years old. I found this story absolutely fascinating. It was more thrilling than any comic book of, uh, uh, that Marvel or DC could ever put out. It was fascinating to me, and uh, I still find it fascinating today. Now, the reality is that you're probably never going to have to deal with being persecuted because you're open about your faith. I know I myself have never had to be lowered from a basket outside a city wall. Well, there have been a few times in previous churches where at a board meeting, I was kind of starting to look for a basket to escape in, but I've never had to deal with that threat when I've talked with non-believers. But the reality is that some of you, uh, once, once you start being open about your faith, you may find you have less invitations to social engagements, or you may find that the range of romantic opportunities you hope to have is significantly narrowed. And even those of us who are never persecuted or ostracized because of our faith, there are still times that we're going to have to endure. I know this has happened to me sometimes. There are some times in my ministry, sometimes in my life, where I find it a very productive time. I'm sharing my faith and 
fruit seems to show up. And then there are other times where I go through these long stretches where I'm communicating my faith and nothing fruitful is happening and I'm tempted to just conclude, well, I guess, I guess I'm not gifted in that way. I just have to go about other forms of ministry other than talking with people about faith. We need to be ready to endure as we begin this process of talking with other people about faith. Some of you are going to walk a rough road. Some of you are never going to walk a rough road because of your faith. You're just going to find it occasionally unfruitful, endure, like Paul did. You know, imagine here in Acts chapter 9 as it concludes, Paul is facing all this resistance, all this opposition. What if he had not endured at this point? What if he had given up? Well, the book of Acts would have been a lot shorter because most of the book of Acts is about Paul's exploits. And for that matter, the the, the New Testament would have been a lot shorter because most of the books of the New Testament are letters from Paul to various Christians and various churches. He endured, and we need to make sure we're doing it as well. So let me challenge you to be more sensitive, more aware of all the open doors you've been neglecting, all the open doors you've neglected to walk through. That's what evangelism is. It's not artificially shoehorning this sales pitch about Jesus into some conversation with somebody who doesn't want to hear it. It's just looking for opportunities God gives you and walking into those opportunities to have dialogues with other people about who Jesus is. In order to do that, you need to start, you need to develop, and you need to endure. This concludes our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Join us next time as Dr. Goodman shares a sermon featuring an interview with Christian author and apologist Jay Warner Wallace. I'm your host, John Parker, and this has been Hillcrest To Go. For more information, please contact us at hillcrest.church.